It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is destiny, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the birds, the fly guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagle Scouting Department. I know I can do better. What's up, SoundCloud? What's up, iTunes? You know what you love it. It's the one and only Brother Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita, keeping it real. And, What's uh, up, brother? We are keeping it real on this episode. I know some people thought we had some, there was some fire, some venom from the last episode. If you thought that had some fire and some venom, you wait until his football team loses back-to-back football games in that type of fashion and see if we don't bring it. You know what I'm saying, Johnny Mita? I got to say, right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe we're all in a pit of misery right now. It's brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Seems like February was 17 years ago. Honest to God, when it rains, it pours. And listen, I, I, again, I'm going to try and be somewhat the voice of reason. I'm not going to jump off the ledge quite yet because it's the NFC East and the NFC East stinks. And I still think this football team has enough talent to get to 10-6 and six probably, okay? So that is a, a, a very good season, a playoff-worthy season. I'm not going to freak out because there have been injuries. I'm not going to freak out because the quarterback's coming off an ACL. I'm not going to freak out, but I'm not happy. I'm pissed off, quite frankly, because now back-to-back weeks, this football team has not shown up. They have showed <laughs> zero emotion now for five weeks, in my opinion. They're showing a lack of fundamentals, which we talked about ad nauseum last week, and I'm starting to get tired of it. So I wanted, I want to feel like a Super Bowl champion and give them a little grace period. I don't know if we overvalue, uh, over-evaluated this team or the roster, but it's frustrating to a to a new level after last week with the Titans. Now this past week with the you know two weeks ago with the Titans, last week with the Vikings. If they do not win tomorrow night, so we're taping this Wednesday. By the time you listen to this, it's probably going to be Thursday morning. So if they don't win tonight against the New York Football Giants on a short week in the Meadowlands, I don't want to say you get fork out and stick it in this football team, but they are going to be mighty hard pressed to even win the division at anything better than 9-7. and seven. So this game, this Thursday night football game against the Giants, is essentially, essentially make or break the season. Now, throughout the year, throughout the season, John Mita, you're going to have your, hey, this is a, a turning point scenario. This is a big game. This is a make or break game. And there could be another one in December, right? They could be on the cusp of a possible winning season, a playoff berth, and all that stuff. And, hey, this is a must win. But Thursday night in the Meadowlands is his must as a much of a must win as it gets in the first half of the season as any any team, any contending team essentially can have. You agree? Absolutely. Think about this. For them to get to ten and six, that means they gotta go eight and three in their next eleven games. Yeah, this is a must win. There is no doubt about it. They have to they have to get back to playing and being like themselves, like the team from last year. The crazy part is if you look at the roster 
I thought we were making upgrades, but it now it seems like the roster last year was better than this year. Um, J.H.I., huge loss. You got to feel bad for him. Contract here. Plays the broken brack. Then he tears his ACL. He's likely, in all likelihood, out of here. But the thing that kills me, Joe, and, and I'm, I'm so sick and tired of seeing it, is the play of Jalen Mills. You, know, you can't tell me there's not a better corner on the team right now that can play the outside. You know, when they when, – when, who was it that went out um, last year? Who was hurt? Who was the corner? I can't remember. But when Rasul Douglas was pressed in the – Ronald Darby um, got hurt week right, one. Right, Ronald yeah. Darby. That's it. Ronald Darby. Darby got when Rasul Douglas was pressed into action, he played the position pretty well. It's it just Jalen Mills, he's out there getting torched by Adam Thielen. I mean, the double move, I mean, he is getting torched. It's either you're going to have to double these wide receivers, especially with Odell Beckham, because you know he is he's the one receiver, he's the master of the double move. So you'll be damn sure if you don't think he's going to try a couple double moves tomorrow night. And I will be in attendance, so... Really? I hope they play, but yeah. Are you yeah, taking? Like, are you taking the uh, the ghetto limo service up there again? No, no. We we decided to. Uh, I mean, this Avalon. No more Avalon limousines. We're moving up to bigger and better things with eight limousines. So a couple of about eight of us going up in a Sprinter, Mercedes Sprinter. So it should be interesting. I heard the weather's going to be not so great, but what else is new? But with this football team, I just. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do, but I'll tell you what, Jim Short, listen, if he continues, if Jalen Mills gets beat for like another 50 or 60-yard touchdown, I, I mean, somebody, I don't care who it comes from. I don't care if it comes from Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Rosen, but somebody, they got to put him on the bench. Either that or do what I said before and move him to take Put Sidney Jones on the outside. He was the number one cornerback in that draft. He blew his Achilles out at his pro day. Okay, he would have been a top 10 pick. He's recovered a full year. He's gotten some experience. Let him go. Please. Tell me, what what if Sidney Jones is not showing them anything in practice? I I, I find that hard to believe. Okay. Sorry. I I just, I feel like Jim Faye. I'm trying uh, to figure out a reason why he's not playing as well. No, (laughs) yeah, I'm with you too. I, I think Jim Short, he gets, you know, he gets extremely comfortable with his guys. He likes and wants to give them every opportunity. But when it's costing your football team week after week after week, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. We have no different result. And kudos to Fletcher Cox. Some people got mad at the fact that he got in Jalen Mills' face. And Jalen Mills finally makes a play on Adam Thielen. Then when he gets in his face and throw him out of bounds, and I'm glad Fletcher Cox stepped in there like a true captain, told the kid to put it on the sideline. It's like, listen, I, I get that. That's part of your moxie. You make a play. You want to you show that, that emotion, that fire, okay? But you need to make a little more than one play a game to start doing that. And thank God Fletcher Cox, you know, damn near grabbed him by the face mask, and then they talked it out on the sideline. So people were upset in this area talking about, Maybe that should have been handled in-house. No, if Fletcher Cox didn't grab that inning, he would have cost the Eagles a 15-yard taunting penalty or unsportsmanlike or something of that nature. And my God, and, and, and one thing with this game, and I know I'm totally off the rails, that, that roughing the passer call on Michael Bennett, which then led to the Vikings touchdown, 
that was the worst roughing the passer call. And, the, and just like you said it the week before, Joe, you're like, if that caused you, you're just going to go bananas. Yeah. That's that, what I said. That, Wait, that you was, know, it, it was the rest of the league that was enduring those calls. The other fan base is going, my God. The other team's going, my God. And I said, wait, wait till it costs the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, like, he was lunging forward. He was missed. He can't stop himself in midair and play tag with him. You know, he wraps <laughs> up around his knee. Yeah. It's not like he took his helmet and he drove through with his knee. No, it was like a proper form tackle. With his horns, and they called him for roughing. It was so ridiculous. I don't care the least. They can defend this damn rule all they want. They can come out and be like, oh, we left this rule. We take it for the safety of the players. Like, all right, in the offseason, yeah, everyone needs to get together and change that rule because it is just destroying the game, in my opinion. Anything else so, jump out about the Vikings game? I know it was sloppy at times. I know that you know they they made that it, surge late. Maybe it, Nigel Bradham it, picks up that fumble and he rumbles for a touchdown, or right. this or yeah. that happens. I mean, it, I mean, again, it was a game where the Eagles didn't play well. All right, I'm going to say this: the Eagles did right. not play well. But then there again, they were late in the game with a chance to win. I mean, very much the Falcons game week one. The goal line defense comes up big, they right. win. The goal line defense comes up against the. The Colts, or you know, they win. It seems like they've, you know, they've been in every game, even the Buccaneers game. If that game's two or three minutes longer, the Eagles probably prevail. So, is this right. team zero and five worthy, five and zero worthy, or right where they are, two and three? Um, I guess uh, assess that for us, Johnny Mita. In addition, anything else jumps out about that? Sometimes, well, at, I mean, at some I, points, ugly yeah. Vikings game. Well, I mean, I, I think the promise of football team right now is, is you look at the offense, and we're not getting off the fast starts. And I think that was the difference between last year's team and this team. The comedy times last year, you know, we're up 14 up, 17 up, 17 7, 17 3. I mean, we, we were schlacking people early. Right, and that early. sets the tempo and that allow that makes the right. other team become one dimensional. Now your pass rush is, is having lunch. I mean, yeah, and I would love to see. Listen, I would love to see you know, Carson's very comfortable with a two-minute drill, that up-tempo. Sometimes yes. change it up. Let the defense, you know, you know think about it. Well, look Sometimes at look at the first drive. In. Look at the first drive when Wentz came back. They went up-tempo. Touchdown. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think they need to, they need to put that in the mix a little more. I also think that as, as far as the team goes as a whole, I think the, the defense will feed. If the offense gets off to a, a really good start, you know, let's say we get off to a good start tomorrow night. Then I think the defense just feeds on that. Yep. And then it's just like, then they become this really tough football team to beat. But right. if they get down early, it's, you can't, you know, you're you're like a cat. You only have nine lives. You can't get down early in every game and then expect to come back. That's just losing football. And the defense, the defense is on the field for over 30 minutes Sunday. It's a short week. Um, you know, right. Derek Barnett, sort of a surprise scratch from the lineup. Uh, his his presence was certainly missed. So there have been some frustrating things. But I'm, nursing an injury. What's that? Was he nursing an injury? Sorry to interrupt. I, I don't know. Maybe. I didn't even know. I Honestly, because I didn't have the sound on, because we had yeah. a hockey game going on, it was on over my shoulder. Yeah. I watched as much as I could. But until the game was <laughs> over and I started to read about post-game notes you know, on the game, yeah. I, I didn't even know that he was out because I didn't think he was out going in. Yeah, well, they were all, yeah, they were all out on like Thursday, but yeah, I agree. So, but yeah, yeah, it's I don't know. I, Listen, I I'm not, I'm not going to put this 
on the defense because they only allowed 23 points to the Vikings, and seven of them came on a, a, a pick six or a fumble return, the strip sack return right. to the house, whatever. I think they end up calling right. it a fumble. But, I mean, the right. defense, I know it hasn't been perfect. I know we're, the defense has, has been missing the big play, the turnover, the sack, the yeah. um, you know the the missed tackle that allows a team to extend a drive and get a first down. Those things are all frustrating, and they're coming back to haunt the Eagles. But this Eagles defense has not been torched yet. Okay, I know there've been some big plays, and those can be backbreakers. But look at the scores of these games. The Eagles haven't scored more than twenty what three or twenty four points all year. I think I, I heard uh, the other day it's the longest stretch without you know more than twenty four points since like. 1990-something. I mean, think about all the yeah. bad position players and skill players and lack thereof yeah. that the Eagles have had, and they found a way through five weeks to at least muster up three or four touchdowns once. This team isn't right. doing they, that. So, uh, and look, and, and in fairness, in fairness, you know, uh, real quick, in fairness, Corey Clement, okay, on the season, only 27 carries. Again, he's been... He's been out, injured, whatever, part of rotation. Darren Sproles, five carries all year. Those are two pieces of the puzzle offensively that I expected big things from this year. Yes, I'm biased. Yes, I love both those players to death. But you're telling me right now that Darren Sproles would have helped this offense at some point when you're trailing a game, you can dump a pass off to him, he can make a guy miss. We think he still has the legs and the agility to make a guy miss and go 30 or 40 yards. Somebody else the defense has to account for. That's a big loss. All right, and 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 every week that passes, missing uh, piece of Trey Burton is becoming more and more apparent because Dallas Goddard only has 12 catches on the season. So, you know that hasn't been a seamless transition where well Burton's out but Goddard's in. Man, this guy's going to light it up. He hasn't lit it up. So the lack of the consistency in the second tight end position, and then obviously the lack of having Sproles and Clement healthy for large stretches of the season, I really feel like I've hurt this offense. Now, the play calling at times has been abysmal. Poopy Peterson showed his true colors on Sunday with some boneheaded timeouts and challenges and those sorts of things. That was frustrating. There have been just every game has been, oh, if this was better or that was missed or a missed tackle. They're just beating themselves, I feel like. They just have to put it together. I just hope they can do it Thursday night because if they don't at 2-4, and four, it's going to be ugly. Well, the other thing is, too, that I think has been extremely disappointing considering you look at last year's team and this year's team, is the fact the offensive line. Okay, the offensive line play this year has been horrendous. And I don't know if Jason Peters is – clearly he's long in the tooth, but, I mean, is he nursing an injury? Kelsey's been banged up. Lane Johnson hasn't looked real good for a couple weeks now. So that was probably one of the greatest strengths of last year's football team. Yep. And right now – it looks like one of the biggest weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, so, we talk about all the time, the trenches. They're not winning the, the right. battle in the trenches right now. And, and penalties. The other thing is the self-inflicted wounds. If it's penalty, if it's not penalty, it's turnovers. And where they're turning the ball over. And our defense is not forcing turnovers like they should. If you win the turnover battle in most NFL games, yep. most likely you're going to be the winner on the scoreboard. So those are big things going in tomorrow. we got to Forcing turnovers, getting Eli safe, knock the crap out of them. And I think if we can get off to a fast start, I think we can start some. But believe me, I mean, for them to win 10 games, people, that means they got to go 8 and 3. That is going to be a hell of a task, considering the schedule gets a lot harder from here on in. Well, but and I understand that. Even, but, but even, when you even look. Nine, even, when you even look. 9 and 7 might win this division. 
Yeah, I know. And 9-7 could win the division. But when you... It's the hardest thing to do in the NFL is predict out the future, all right? Who knows when you go to New Orleans if Drew Brees is healthy, even playing. I mean, there are games on the schedule you go loss, win, loss. You don't know. And if this team finds its mojo, whether that's in the Meadowlands, whether that's against the Panthers, whether that's in London against you, if they find their mojo, they can beat anybody. I mean, what? who who are we to sit here and go, ah, that's that's a loss in December because, you know, they're playing the Cowboys in doubt. No, no. This team, the world champion Philadelphia Eagles, they are good enough. Now, they have to start playing like it. And you can't go week to week and go, oh, this will be the week. You're going to run out of season. Okay? We're five weeks in now. We're more than a quarter way in. But this team is good enough, is good enough to go on a 7-1 and one run, 8-2 and two run down the stretch. They have to show it. They have to prove it. But I believe in the talent that they can get it done. And the other thing is, I mean, are we going to get into this running back issue here? Yeah. We're going to talk about the running back. Yeah, we are. One, I want to go one thing real quick. You mentioned the offensive line. Right. I got some numbers. Great piece in the Athletic by our, our boy Shell Capiti uh, Capitia. Yeah, Capiti Capitia. That's our boy, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wentz is getting rid of the ball in 2.7 seconds. Last year was 2.72. So it's almost identical. So for those saying Wentz, I know it's a small sample size. Wentz holding the ball too long. Right. Maybe not the case. Yeah, not the really league sure. average for a sack is 4.280 seconds. Wentz is getting sacked on average 3.927 seconds after the ball is snapped. So that third of a second between Wentz getting snapped, uh, sacked and the league average on getting sacked, that's telling you that the line isn't doing its job for whatever that's yeah, worth. Okay? Right. For whatever that's yeah. worth, Wentz basically getting the ball at the same time he did last year but that .3 seconds, and we know in sports, a half a second is an hour. That .3 seconds, less he has to operate, to maneuver, to make a decision, is turning into a sack right now as far as the league average goes. The other thing, the, the one staggering numbers, again, in The Athletic, you can check it out, that he broke down the red zone efficiency and the third down efficiency of Wentz and the Eagles offense way down compared to last year. Now, last year was uh, gaudy, gaudy numbers in those categories, unsustainable long term even for Hall of Fame-type quarterbacks. But they are way down this year, the red zone and third down numbers. Um, all right, before we, you know, let's dissect the Giants real quick and then we'll assess the running back situation. You and I have seen this, watching the Eagles play the Giants and Sheli Manning forever. If you give Sheli Manning time, you're in trouble. He's going to dink and dunk and take everything underneath. We saw it the last time these two teams met, late in last season, when Foles was starting, there was that early maybe first couple of drives where the Giants were taking every five and six yard dump out, the out routes, and they're just going up and down the field till they get to the 20s. So Eagles red zone defense key. And then obviously if Manning is taking everything underneath, you've got to find a way to win that line of scrimmage battle. There's not enough time to blitz when he's getting the ball out in a second and a half. There's just not. So Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Barnett, whatever, whoever is in there. I know Nada was out on Sunday. They have to win their matchups. Win your matchups defensive line and play good defense in the red zone. Don't give up that game-breaking big play, and the Eagles will have a chance, obviously, to win this football game because the Giants are a bit of a grease fire, let's be honest. They have some talent. Don't underestimate them. In New York, short week, there's a lot of things going against the Eagles here, but the run defense does its job against Barkley. Keep Beckham in front of you, and for some you know, just just find a way to win that battle a few times. If you get in Manning's kitchen, he gets flustered. He is not the same quarterback. We've seen it for a decade. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, pressure, pressure, pressure. The games, the games that this team has won is because they're able to pressure the quarterback and get them efficient. And the other thing I look at it too is, you know, let's establish a running game. I don't care who is running the damn football. Establish a running game at some point. You can't continue to drop Carson Wentz that 70 times a game. It's just not a good recipe. And not only that, it also plays in the hands of the defense. If they know that you're not committed to the run, it makes life a little easier on them. So I think that'll be very important. And to start fast, okay? If we start fast one time, have like that game-breaking touchdown to Jeffrey like early in the first quarter, something like that, it, you'll just take the heart right out of the jump. And you're right. There's turmoil there. I know that can be pissed off about the quarterback playing everything else going on. So, so they're they a train wreck. And their defense is not as good as it has been in years past. They might get Olivia Vernon back. He's their best pass rusher. Now that Jason Pierre-Paul has moved on. But, I, again, I think the offensive line has to play a really good game, get the running game established, and get off to a fast start. And I think everything else will come into play. But turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. We need to force them and not and give them away. So those are the keys for me. Am I crazy to think that maybe a little naked bootleg, get Wentz on the outside with a design-type run early to keep that defense honest is something, or are, are the Eagles afraid of that because of the injury? I mean, to me, if he can run for a first down on the opening series, that always seems to back the defense up a bit, or you take your deep shot, whether it's Shelton Gibson, yeah. whoever well, it is, I'm Aguilar, gonna... just take a shot. Let them know you're not afraid to well, test well, them. Exactly, and then you bring up a hell of a point there because we reiterate that last year on several podcasts. It's like with the pass interference penalties today, I mean, the, the rules of this of this game lend itself to the offense to be successful. Yes. But like you said, take a shot. Maybe you get defensive holding. Maybe you get a pass interference. What's the worst thing that can happen? Okay, so you take a long shot, and then they intercept the ball, and it's like punting the football. That's really not the worst thing to happen, especially if they're, like, end up. But I agree. Be aggressive. Try to throw the football down this field. And, and, and just, just uh, take some shots. I agree with you. I mean, they, it's even that, too. And, again, there's some things that Howie could do right now to improve this football team. Yeah. But, put, on, put on your Howie Roseman hat for us here in the Brotherly Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at cool. Beagle Podcast. Give me the Howie Roseman hat to the Eagles Need well, to make a move? Do you see a move coming? What's the play here, Howie? I mean, I, I, I do see a move coming. Now, how big this move is going to be? And I everybody's talking Le'Veon Bell. That, that might, there's really, I mean, to go get Le'Veon Bell it might cost like a third round taker or second rounder. But if he leaves in the offseason for free agency, then you'll get a compensatory third round pick. So in actuality, if you're giving up a pick, you might give that. You might get a pick back in return if he leaves in free agency. The other thing is, I, I, I look for another receiver. I, I just, with the health, you know, Mike Wallace not being healthy, Matt Collins, you don't know what you have there. You have Aguilar, you brought Matthews in. I mean, the guy that I looked at is like, can we get Amari Cooper away from Oakland? I just think, like, he needs to change the scenery. He doesn't really fit into the groove mix. And if you matched up Amari Cooper with Jeffrey and, and Aguilar, I, I really think that could be. And I don't think you'll have to give up much. If you look at receiver trades, um, I came from Bowling one time, got traded for like a six-round pick. I mean, it's you can't.
can get a high-quality player and not have to give up performance, what I'm saying. Wow. So, so you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking the upgrade could be out outside on the flank, maybe get Clement and Sproles back in, in their groove with some health. You have Smallwood yeah, sprinkled I mean, in, and that's good enough. Ball, right, right. Well, yeah. why don't we just get the band back together, Joe? Here's the scenario. We go get LaShawn McCoy, and then we pry Slippery D away from the Buccaneers. What do you think? Is the band back together? Well, listen, here, here, here's my concern with, with Shady, all right, is, you yeah. know, last year he had a great year. But, you know, a lot can change for a running back aging in just one off season. So where's his mind right. at with some of the off-field stuff? Obviously, Buffalo's a miserable place to be. That team stinks, albeit they have as many wins as the Eagles right now. But, you know, is Shady McCoy the same player he was a year or two ago? That I don't know. I don't watch enough tape. I, I, I can't tell you that. Is he the right person to bring in the locker room, given the dynamic there? I, I don't have that answer either, but I would lean towards no. Now, the Eagles get him. Am I going to be ecstatic because I loved him? Sure, it'd be nice to have him back in the fold, but Howie Roseman has to make the best decision for this football team. This isn't a fan poll. This isn't a fan decision. This is what Howie gets paid the big bucks for. This is why we were all singing his praises last year because he pulled the right strings and the championship, the Lombardi Trophy, came down Broad Street. I don't know... What he's thinking, but obviously restructuring Fletcher Cox's uh, uh, salary had something to do with freeing up some money, you'd imagine. You know, there's a little smoke. Where's the fire? So I think a move is coming. How big it is, I don't know. And is it Shady McCoy? Is it David Johnson? Who is it? I guess that remains to be seen. But I'd like to see him do something because last year I didn't think they needed to do anything. They brought in a giant. He was essentially one of the final pieces of the puzzle. So... Let's see what Howie has yeah. up his sleeve. He's never been a guy that's shy of making moves. He, he wheels and deals at times. We felt like too much for the organization. But at the end of the day, the championship trophy is in the case. So uh, I'm not going to question him right now. Let him do his thing, see what happens, and hopefully the right piece is out there. You don't have to give up too much to get it. That's the perfect, uh, perfect world for an Eagles fan. I agree, buddy. Well said. All right, uh, real quick. Flyers got pounded in their home opener. They started with a win in Vegas, which was sort of improbable. Then they played Colorado and didn't play so well. That was, you know, in Denver. Avs have a lot of offense and speed. Flyers got exposed a bit. The other night, though, against the Sharks, giving up eight goals in the home opener was was awful. I know you and I, before we went on, you're like, they need a damn goaltender. Brian Elliott played pretty well. I know when you get shelled like that, it's like, how can the goalie played well? That could have been 6 nothing that game in the first 12 minutes, if not for Brian Elliott. You know, when one team takes advantage of its opportunities and the other doesn't, Flyers hit a couple goal posts, Drew had a wide-open look and, and put it into the goalie's glove, and then the Sharks' power play gets a little mojo, forget about it. That 8-2 game could have easily been a 4-3 Flyers win if things had gone differently in the first period. Once they didn't know, you know, it was all bets are off, and it was how many can the Sharks score. So I'm not, again, jumping off the bridge here. It was an embarrassing loss. It sucked for the fans in the home opener. But I'm not going to jump off the bridge here. The one thing I will say, though, is that if they continue to play mediocre hockey into November, I don't know how Dave Haxtell survives because they have been trending sort of blah, right? We haven't seen them take that next step. This isn't his first or second year as a head coach now. You're expecting progress. And I know there's still holes on the roster. I know they're waiting for Carter Hart to get some seasoning at the AHL level and be the NHL goalie of the future, and that could change the entire franchise. But in the meantime, you've got a coach 
that has a lot of talent, not in certain spots. I still think their defense is average at best, some of those pairings. But a lot of talent in that top six, that top nine, at some point you've got to start to get more results. And especially when you're at home, you're going to have that fan base turn real quick. Some of those diehard Flyers fans real quick, if they're not already on the Get Haxtell Out of Town bandwagon, they're going to be on it soon. So Dave Haxtell, that hot seat got turned up a few degrees uh, albeit just a couple of losses in the first three games. But when they're ugly and you're giving up a lot of goals, you ain't going to last very long. Here's what I do know. We still have grit, all right? Yeah, grit A. <laughs> By no, the way, real quick, the real quick, scoring's up across the NHL. I think, in the uh, granted, it's a week, but it's the highest number of goals scored per game in the NHL since 93-94. Um, so it's not like just the Flyers are giving up in bunches to Caps in their first couple games, averaging six and a half goals a game. Toronto scoring five goals a game right now. I know we're a week in, but you're starting. You're seeing some of those trends. Teams struggle to defend early in the year because the structure's not there. The commitment to defense and learning some of the system play is an ongoing process. So the goals are up right now. But uh, one thing I will say in the NHL, and this was quite frankly utterly embarrassing, the Nashville Predators last night raised a banner. Did you see this, John Mita? No, you're not. The Nashville Predators raised a banner that said regular season Western Conference champions. Not the President's Trophy, not the overall league points title, not the conference finalist, not a division winner. They put regular season Western Conference champions on a banner and put it up in the rafters. Now, if this was Nashville five, six years ago, hooray. I applaud them. They were just in the Stanley Cup final two years ago. So give me a break with regular season. Regular season, not playoffs, regular season Western Conference Championship banners, that's embarrassing. And that is, yeah, I mean, that's like getting a second-place trophy and thinking you won it all. Um, yeah, this team, the Flyers, I look at it this way, in search of, in all fairness, the Flyers of San Jose is a really good hockey team, and I expect them to possibly make it to the, make it to the finals or even Western Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup because they're that voted. Yep. Especially with the additions that they've made the last couple of years. Yeah, Eric Carlson's a stud, one of the best players in the world. With Burns, I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. But, again, I agree with you. There are there there's still some holes on this roster, but we also need to watch the team take the next step up. That's the other thing, right? So, you know, they go over waiting for a couple of things. They, they, they made a move. They got to change the back in the offseason. Offensively, they should be good. Defensively, you're right. They have some good pairings, maybe one or two. But in this league, I mean, you got to have three solid lines on the blue line. So you're right about Haxall, too. I mean, it, 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 it's going to be interesting to see. But, I mean, this is like typical Flyers hockey, though. Isn't it, right? Yeah. Every season, they, they, they start off slower than can be, right? Now they start. Then they catch that hot streak, right? Boom. They go on, like, some sick hot streak. Then they cool down, then they make a push to the end, and then they get in the playoffs. It's they like sneak in the, the playoffs. They, exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. the Evans flow, the flow of the Flyers for like the last, I don't know, five years. So yeah. Before that, it was never having a goaltender. Now it's, you know, being just right. Jekyll and Hyde, and we'll yeah. see. There's a lot of hockey left, yeah. but, you know, it'd be nice to see them yeah. find some consistency, whether so that's with this head coach or another. Fun. Yeah, they're playing out of it. Yeah, they were winning. Voracek had a three-point game going, but by the time I get back home, they you know they could have given up six or seven again. All right, Johnny Mita, I say Bird seventy-three, Giants four. Your thoughts? 
my thoughts. I, I, we're, we're going big tomorrow night. For some reason, I'm feeling 35-13. First. Wentz is back to the MVP level. I love it. We've been calling this for weeks. I don't want to go three weeks without an Eagles win. I'm selfish, all right? I'm tired of it. Get a W. The Giants stink. Get back in control of this division. Johnny Mead, enjoy the time in the Meadowlands. Don't sucker anybody unless, you know, they deserve it. <laughs> you got it, buddy. For John Mead, Joe Thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate everybody tuning in. Brotherly Love Podcast signing off. Go Birds. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 